Hi, everybody. My name is Elliot Kalen, the Flophouse Podcast on the Max Fun Network. I just want to let you know that uh, we had kind of a bad internet connection at the very beginning of the recording of this episode, and it will improve, so please bear with it. Uh, thanks to the magic of uh, futuristic 21st century technology and the amazing skills of our editor, Jordan Cowling, uh, it will improve. So uh, please bear with us, and you'll know when you get to the point, point where it's fixed, because it sounds better. Thank you very much. Enjoy the show! On this episode, we discuss the new mutants. Mmm, they still got that new mutant smell. Love it. everyone and welcome to the flop house i'm dan mccoy hey i'm Stuart wellington i'm elliot kalen and joining us we have a special guest this time game director designer for jackbox games and host of the hit podcast hello from the magic tavern it's arnie kneecamp nycamp kneecamp <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's Arnie Neekamp. That's all right. Everyone gets it wrong. It, it's one of those names where you either get it wrong or you don't have any certainty that you got it right. Mm-hmm. I covered my bases. We've got Arnie Minecraft with common, us. Very excited a, about it. It's a common I I word, it uh, <laughs> Stu. It's where you know it's where uh, parents send their knees during the summer. <laughs> yeah. Now let's cut that off at the knees, that little bit. I'm sure it was going to develop into something great. I just want to remind listeners, uh, before we go on, that we do have a live show coming up Saturday, February 6th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. We're going to be talking about the movie Teen Wolf, one of the most requested movies for us to talk about. Again, that's Saturday, February 6th, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. And for tickets, just go to www.theflophouse.simpleticks.com. I'll be telling you more about the show later in this show. Let's get back to this hilarious knee camp bit. So, Dan, Dan what kind of activities they have? For, no, for no, knees no, at no, knee no. I, I wanted to keep it short because it, it it's perilously close to just making fun of someone's name, which I don't want it to. Um, but I will say, uh, when, wait, when did when did you start not wanting to do that? <laughs> I don't. I mean, I I do a lot of uh, name puns. I wouldn't call them like making fun of, but I feel mm. like if we went further down this road, it might turn into that. Perhaps you don't remember the old etiquette rule: saying a pun is still making fun. <laughs> As a kid, definitely people always said knee camp. You can't knee. Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing as an adult, I think the reason people often think my name is Nye Camp is they're like, well, I can't, well, I can't be knee camp, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. That would be absurd. Yeah. <laughs> what what kind of a name would that be? As if as if Nye Camp is any less of a like the, there's that there's some kind of abstract value to to Nye Camp <laughs> that is greater than Knee Camp. Like <laughs> names can't sound like words. Well, no, impossible. What, yeah. I, I, <laughs> and I mean, like, it's. Do you think it's that uh, people would think like no adult would ruin their child's life by naming them Arnie Knee Camp. Oh, like, wow. That's very, that's the thing. And somehow I didn't even, it's like, I think I didn't discover how dumb that was for a lot of my life because I, as a child, I was focused on how close to Ernie it was. So uh-huh. kids really latched onto that. Uh-huh. Yeah, they always call me Ernie. And then there was a long period in my life where everyone would assume it was every version close to Arnie. Like, there are a lot of not common, but just subtly more common names than Arnie. Arnie and Ernie. 
And uh, yeah. So then, well, yeah. So then I realized, yeah, Arnie Kneecamp is horrible to say. No, why uh, don't you just run them together and be Arnie Camp? Just be like a one word, like a Madonna or a Cher or a uh-huh. uh, Prometheus. You know, just a one word name. You know, Prometheus. <laughs> <laughs> They're icons. Icons. Arnie, Arnie, Cher, wanna, Madonna, I, and Prometheus. <laughs> I want to stop talking about your name and actually start talking about your work. How does it I mean, feel? Prometheus only had like the one okay. hit, though. I don't think it's fair to put <laughs> him in the same. Fire is a big hit, Stu. And he could have had, and it's not fair to yeah. judge him against the records of, of recording artists who are not chained to a rock so that a vulture can rip their liver out every That's day. True. That's true. It's going to impede your work. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about your work, Arnie. Uh, I just wanted to ask, Arnie, how does it feel to know... Um, the the light and joy and uh, and saving that has come into people's lives through Jackbox games during this pandemic because I know that I certainly have played more of them uh, during this time and yeah Dan's uh, a huge gamer now I am I've become a gamer except for the ones you like <laughs> <laughs> Dan, Dan Dan said he heard about this gamer gate and he wanted to go through oh, it no, so no, that's no, no, that's no, really no. attracted him. <laughs> no, but uh, somehow so, stumbled on one of the, the things I would least ever want to talk about. <laughs> oh, then let's get, let's actually talk about your work then. Yeah, is it does it feel good to be like yeah now people have to play my games and they love them? Uh, yeah, it does. I mean, I've been working at Jackbox for like fifteen years now, and there were definitely launches where it not a given that it would stay. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, and we've sort of made seven i guess party packs now 30 some games uh and it's kind of incredible it's sort of slowly started more and more people kind of aware of it over the last couple of years and then yeah it kind of exploded uh during a pandemic now with that much time at jackbox do you think it's safe to say that you do know jack Stuart. Uh, and now watching Stuart cross that off from his pre-written jokes list. Oh, so yeah, Jack, you're saying you're saying Jack is kind of unknowable. Muscles, Stuart's cat just came and started like ramming its face into Stuart uh, as if to say, like, is, are, is something wrong? Like, yeah, that was that, laughter, that was when the, was that that was the closest cry? I've seen to a cat trying to take the keys away from somebody. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so, uh, so you're saying you don't know Jack? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I used to there were periods where I really felt like Jack and but I'm always constantly reminded that that it's a lifelong ch- to know Jack. Yeah, yeah. Well, well he's he's, he's one, one of those one word icons. icons. Share, Prometheus, Honeycamp, and Jack. Like, that's just, okay, just heroes. Well, that's enough nonsense. Uh, <laughs> Um, so Arnie, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Uh, we've been wanting to have you on for a while. Uh, we love uh, "Hello from the Magic Tavern." I think Elliot and I have both been lucky enough to be guests on that program, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so it's great to have you on here. Now, why did you say I want to be on this show? New Mutants—that's the key to my enjoyment of the Flop House. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I will say first of all, I didn't just pull New Mutants out of like the whole world of movie going on. Uh huh. Sure. Okay. It was definitely my my favorite of the ones presented to me, and also I legitimately was looking for an excuse to watch this movie because yeah, first well, yeah. I was kind of all on board with the idea of it. I it wasn't like an intense like a. Uh, and comic book reader, but I definitely went through a New Mutants phase, and the whole idea of a New Mutants comic 
movie like uh, in combined with horror seemed like to me and then yeah a lot of things happened and then eventually it came out and i was less excited about seeing it eventually it came out i feel like is a uh truncated version of the troubled production history of this movie yeah well, it this... seems like the the movie had like the kind of production history and a normal movie have, has just, yeah, drawn out over a much longer period of time. Um, and it's interesting when you watch the movie that um, uh, you watch it and you're like, oh, this is, not to jump ahead to it, this is the movie that they had to keep going back and remaking? Yeah. Like, is- I, did, I didn't want to skip ahead to, like, Final Judgments, but that was what I kept asking myself, too, because I'm like, there are movies, like, not that this is particularly great we'll get we'll get to it but like there are movies far worse than this that they just toss on screen without thought and like like with like advertising budgets and everything and i was like what was it about this one that they were just like we gotta keep working on it there my guess is that so there is i was reading up a little bit about this and so this was i think very much seen as like the this is going to be the the way that fox holds on to or 20th Century mm. holds on to the X-Men license. That the last few X-Men movies were kind of running out of steam. Time for some new mutants, if you mm-hmm. will. And the people who made understand. it wanted it to be a horror movie, and the studio did not. And then the last X-Men movie, and it was supposed to tie more directly into X-Men Apocalypse. Then X-Men Apocalypse did not do well, so they're like, take all the X-Men Apocalypse stuff out. And then they're like, but we don't want it to be a horror movie. And then the trailer for It came out, apparently, and the trailer was such a big hit that they were like, make it a horror movie again. So it was really like, the the studio was really chasing what they thought would be uh, the the hottest version of this movie and not, not letting the filmmakers just get to a regular tale of new mutants run around a hospital being chased by Silent Hill monsters. Hot off of the of the it trailer they were like make it a trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Could you well, I kept, cut I kept like, reading I don't know 92 minutes out of this. <laughs> I, I kept reading how the director would like send the trailer to people and they'd be like you got it you nailed it and it'd be like mm-hmm. how can you tell from the trailer like that Bill Sinkevich was like you did it based off the trailer and it's uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah. But I say this having uh, – I was on Twitter earlier today and saw the teaser for the King Kong versus Godzilla trailer. And it yep. was like, man, how much how much pre-selling d- is the trailer going to have to have? And then I watched the trailer and I was like, oh, yeah, this is what I thought King Kong versus Godzilla would look like. It's King now, Kong fighting Godzilla. Directed <laughs> by Adam Wingard. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Not, is he related to Jason Wingard, a.k.a. Mastermind of the Hellfire Club and the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, an X-Men character? I don't know. Dan, what were you going to say? A segue as good as Pro- that? I don't probably. think so, but say it. <laughs> uh, well, no, I, I guess that is kind of a good segue because I was going to ask two questions. Number one, mm-hmm. what <laughs> is you guys' – What's a new mutant? <laughs> what's sex? No, uh, <laughs> no <laughs> number one, uh, what is you guys' history with the new mutants, if any, and do you th- how do you think this would play – to someone who has no association with the comic or the extended like mutant averse uh, like I, I i i will quickly say i know that i read the stories that this was based on like i because i i read the claremont uh Sinkevich, uh period of new mutants and i i really liked those like spinoffs uh that and excalibur yeah. I think at the time I enjoyed almost more than X-Men, but um but I'd forgotten all of it and I guess this stands alone, but I do think it would confuse people like why all of this was happening. But anyway, you guys uh go. Elliot, you look like you have something to say. 
Well, I so the thing is, my experience with the New Mutants has in the comics has been a conflicted one because when I was growing up, the New Mutants was over pretty much, and they had already transformed into the much cooler X Force led by Boo. Cable. Absolutely. Yep. And, and instead of like instead of like Wolfsbane, the Goody Two Shoes, you had Feral, and uh-huh. Cannonball was mm-hmm. still in there. But the, you know, like Shatterstar was in there with his double sword blades and his double ponytails. Uh-huh. You got two of yep. everything with Shatterstar. Uh, even the words Shatter and Star kind of sound like Aren't the same word. Double ponytails. Pigtails? Is that <laughs> no? Because they both came out of the back in the same play. I don't know, okay. dude. Anyway, but uh, so so it's so the new mutants has always seemed to me kind of like I, I when I was like growing up was like oh these are the dull characters that turned into the crazy like. Uh, teen hormone explosion that is X Force, yeah. but uh, yeah, the, the pouch delivery system. <laughs> yeah, because when there's nothing teens wanted more than guys covered in pouches, and, and they little, never open those pouches. I, little I, I, tiny sub- lines that don't seem to indicate anything. Are they wrinkles? I don't oh, know. <laughs> when I was 13, I loved that stuff. Give me more little lines. And looking back at those issues now, it is hilarious just how ridiculous the art. Like it's un- <laughs> look edible. But uh, the I've gone back and reread some of the New Mutants ones from that run and they're good books but they just kind of like don't uh i don't know what it is they don't grab me the way that like claremont's uncanny x-men run or his excalibur run or uh i mean excalibur it's alan davis is the secret weapon on that title but uh the so watching this movie i was like oh yeah these characters like danny moonstar is a character i've never felt much connection to dan obviously you do it's the same <laughs> and name, this movie but... will not change that <laughs> no, we were like and, and watching it like oh they made the least engaging one of these people the uh the central character, but uh, we'll, I, the we'll weird thing is, sure. watching it, it did feel like, oh, if I didn't know the X Men movies, I'd be really lost in this. But it also, yeah, I've had no, I wouldn't have a connection to it. But I do know the X Men movies. So when Doctor Cecilia Reyes shows up, I'm like, wait a minute, that's not the way that character is portrayed in the comic books. Yeah. Uh, Stu, uh, what are you? What are your feelings? Yeah, I mean, I, I worked my way backwards through the New Mutants, starting with X Force. Uh, and I remember really liking some of the stuff when they would, uh, you know, the crossovers with the X-Men, the annuals where they would go to Asgard when Danny Moonstar becomes mm-hmm. one of the Valkyries. I thought that stuff was all great. And also it had art by Art Adams, which is great. Um, and I always had a huge crush uh, growing up. I had a huge crush on Magic because uh, she's mm-hmm. awesome and like a weird brat, uh, sword slinging, dimension hopping monster. Uh and I don't know. I don't know if that character was totally translated to the uh, to the movies, but whatever. No, I mean that's one of the reasons I liked New Mutants too, because I read. I remember reading the Magic Limited series, uh, yeah. which kind of cat- catapulted me into that. Hello, hi. This is Elliot Kalin interrupting the show. I know what else is new. Anyway, I'm talking to you from the future compared to what you were just listening to, but the past compared to where you are right now listening. You might have noticed that uh, the connection uh, earlier between us and our guest was kind of bad earlier in the episode. Thankfully, from this point on, we were able to correct it using the power of technology and also our editor, Jordan Cowling. And so we now return to the slightly better sounding end half rest of the episode of new mutants you've already been listening to thank you i was very drawn to the new mutants i think from the covers as a i was kind of just young enough that i was really into like warlock the robot who i guess is which i'm alien. sad was yeah you're right he is an alien robot like genetic robot i don't know too hard he's to, a he's a techno organic being and what makes him right. a mutant is that on his world they are naturally aggressive and hostile but he is friendly mm. and so he's like a <laughs> he's like a programming mutant that's how they spit that's how they got him in the group <laughs> yeah you can I, explain I, it that way i prefer to like stammer on for about a minute trying to figure out how to explain what warlock you know is. what to each their own i apologize let's do it your way <laughs>
He was definitely <laughs> one of my favorites in the New Mutants, and I'm sad that he was not in this. I guess they kind of nod to it with uh, Illyria's arm a well, little bit. No, that's I, I mean that's that's her armor that she has in the comics too. Okay. But they they originally at one point wanted Warlock in this, but it was going to be too expensive. So the plan was to introduce him in the sequel, where the New Mutants no. go to Brazil. That sequel was not made. <laughs> And then apparently the the third was going to be the Inferno comic book uh, story, yes. which would have been cool as well. Yeah. It would have been really interesting to see how they do Inferno with nut. They cannot have a lot of the characters that are central to Inferno because they're X Men characters, you know. Unless they bring uh, okay. them back, I don't know. Well, maybe they'll have the maybe they'll have the Hobgoblin become an actual monster like he did in the <laughs> Inferno stories. That was great. I mean, again, that's a different company. Has has the Spider Man movies, but you know, I mean, they're all one. They're all Disney now. Let's do it. Let's see it happen. But he's a Spider Man uh, villain. Does that mean that Sony has the rights to him? It is exactly. And so the MCU only gets to use Spider Man. That's why Venom has his own his own spin off series. So I guess Hobgoblin would turn into a demon uh, in Inferno in the Venom movies, which would be a, a strange distortion of the original actual history that happened. Uh huh. But uh, I'm still up for it. So. Uh, our movie opens with Danny Moonstar giving us a little bit of a monologue about how every human being has two bears living inside of them. <laughs> now, guys, is that true? Is because well, I mean, I'm... Good th- I know that good things come in bears. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's... I mean, Dan, do not... You have to stop sticking your hand down bears' mouths and into their butts because you're not going to find... You haven't found a good thing yet. And you're not going to find anything. At best, yeah. you're going to find a half-digested salmon, and I don't think that's what you want. Dan, it's talking like that that got you fired from the Care Bear store. <laughs> <laughs> he just has a pen knife, and he's just digging open all the bears to find the good things, the jewels inside. Because this this monologue, it bothered me, too, because I know sometimes my tummy growls, and I was like, is that because there's a bear in there? Yeah. I mean, I know that I've put on a little weight recently, but I don't think there's enough space in me for two bears. <laughs> what would it be like to work with someone in an office who really bought into this two bear theory and explained everything they did? It's like, oh, sorry, guys. Today, it's a bad bear day for me. I'm going to be <laughs> trying to be more of a good bear tomorrow. The bears are not happy right now. Uh, I mean, it's, uh-huh. all people have, have duality. You know, there's a good side and a bad side and then a bear side. <laughs> yep. Well, the way you, when you put it that way, Elliot, it's like, why do we have to bring bears into it? <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, oh, there's a duality. Uh, people have a good side and bad side. Great. There's also bears inside you. Well, now I'm confused. And in that in that office break room, you're not allowed to have one of those little honey containers that looks like a bear because that coworker gets upset. <laughs> yeah, that would be they would be that's problematic for them. Now, here's the problem: is that every now and then someone is born with three bears inside them, and that makes them vulnerable <laughs> to having little blonde girls just climb in their mouths and sit on their chairs that are in there, eat all the porridge, sleep in the beds. You don't want that. So Danny gives this little monologue about how everybody's got a good got a good bear and a bad bear. Well, young Danny gets woken up by her dad. Uh, something large and uh, unseen is attacking the trailer that they live in. Uh, she runs off into the woods. Uh, this thing kills her dad. She is left knocked out in the snow. Yeah. Only to wake up in a mental hospital chained to a gurney. Can... Can I just for a second go back? The part where her father uh, is killed was uh-huh. pretty comically bad, I thought. Like, he, he just walks off screen mm-hmm. and then immediately, like, hops back onto screen dead. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, no, I mean, it, it has you're, all you're the timing of that scene in, uh, in what, Planet Terror, where the, the kid gets left alone with a gun <laughs> oh, and immediately and kills himself. And instantly shoots himself. <laughs> 
now, uh, I was the father's death before, or was that when it happened that there was just basically total blackness on screen with a bunch of sound effects? Probably around there. I mean, I feel like that whole opening was it was shot in a way to make it look like it's like in the middle of a snowstorm mm -hmm. and it's intentionally obscuring what could be behind them. Uh, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it doesn't look good. It looks bad. It looks well, very cheap. There's also there, there, it's a little bit, I think of them trying to be a little cheap and also they want to save what that bear looks like for the big yeah. climax. So they're doing a little bit, a little bit of Godzilla King of the Monsters thing here where they're like, Let's take. Let's have this monster be obscured by snow and darkness, but it doesn't help with the poignancy of the of the dad's death. But again, Stuart, as you're saying, we don't have long to focus on that because she wakes up handcuffed to a gurney. Uh oh, did the bear do that? <laughs> she a that bear was did the not good do bear, that, she... right? The good bear probably <laughs> came in yeah, and got her, her to the local hospital. <laughs> yeah. So she's she's introduced to Doctor Reyes, uh, who is you know seems to be a. a psychiatrist or something at this mental hospital uh who tries to comfort and gaslight her at the same time telling her that it was a tornado that killed her family and her whole town and then uh dr reyes welcomes her uh, welcomes her to a place for new mutants title uh though we don't know what her mutant power is now, so i just want to say a word about this institution since we just arrived there um what? this kind of like it's like you know, uh, uh, like a halfway house for uh, like they're trying to like no, make no, it's it a whole like, house. <laughs> like it's for like troubled teenage mutants, and the it it will surprise no one who has seen a movie before that ultimately there is more to this institution than meets the eye. But it seems like it takes the kids a very long time to like really have that sink in considering that it appears that Dr. Reyes is the only doctor Yes, there. is the only staff member at all. There's the no staff maintenance member. staff, no janitorial. Yeah. There's nobody who works the front desk. It, like... It, it it from moment one feels like a woman is squatting in an abandoned hospital and has <laughs> exactly. kidnapped several children, which is not that different from, uh, you know, but it's, it, I was like, the whole movie, I was like, are they not going to have anyone else work at this place? Like, <laughs> exactly. Like, the fact that one of the new mutants is seen cooking and doing the dishes for the others and it's like this is this is weird that he even also in, i guess works there even in glass where the fake institution was understaffed and incompetently staffed they at least had like five people there yeah but no this is just the one person uh yeah the, and, and the uh, whole place it, the whole place feels run down there's no like there's no fence there's no fence yeah. around it there's like a gate but the gate is open there's uh, an the abandoned clock tower for some reason and church mm -hmm. and church yeah it's a whole abandoned church this it, there's an entire abandoned church and i could never be quite sure the kids seem to have the run of the place except for the times of day when the movie needs them to not have the run of the place and they need to escape to have the run of the place otherwise they seem to just be able to go wherever uh it's got a real it's got a real resident evil silent hill feeling of like here's your limited area that you have freedom of movement in and you're going to be walking through a lot of empty rooms uh but anyway I'm getting ahead it's of myself. It's got a real dreamlike quality that I kept trying to figure out if it was a choice, but I think wasn't. Yeah, and it yeah it, it feels unstuck in time as well. I mean, part of it is that uh, it's this is a movie that will, based on the slang the kids use and the musical choices, feels like it's set in the '80s. I'm guessing, but yes. uh, and there's nothing to indicate other than a few odd mentions of mutants 
and the X-Men, there's nothing kind of tying it to a greater world that we understand. Like it could just exist in some kind of like Sartre uh, style, like, uh, you know, existentialist prison. They do watch Maybe Buffy the Vampire Slayer at one point. So I guess it's mm-hmm. at least in the 90s. So this movie apparently was supposed, again, it was supposed to be a follow up to X-Men Apocalypse. So it was supposed to take place in the 80s. And when X-Men Apocalypse didn't do well, they were like, forget the 80s stuff. And I think they just didn't. It's not like they, they didn't go out of their way being like, hey, did you hear Billie Eilish's song? I love it. Like just mm-hmm. to get modern references in there. So I think they... I think they were going. I think it was probably originally written as a as an eighty set thing, and they just didn't feel the need to like put them all on Instagram. You know, I mean, but if it was, I mean, Buffy would be later than that, but that I assume came from the reboot. No, no, I think I think that was. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you guys saw Mank. Uh, we're mm-hmm. in a studio meeting. They're talking about movies that haven't been made yet, disparagingly. Uh, yeah. The scene takes place in what 1930, 31, and they're talking about the Wolfman. That wasn't made yet. Uh-huh. Excuse me, I, take I, that, Mank. <laughs> I kind of I kind of want to arrest whoever let Elliot watch Mank because it's been <laughs> making no, its way into it. our I conversations to, too often. I was no. about to suggest a new segment on our show, which is every episode Elliot brings up one more small grievance about Mank. I've got there's it's the problem I have with Mank is that is seem if if the movie is not made for people like me, who is it made for? And yet it is not made for people like it's it seems to be here's a movie for people who are really interested in behind the scenes of Citizen Kane. But if you know about the behind the scenes of Citizen Kane, you will not be you will not like what you see. Like uh man. Anyway, so that's my recommendation is the new Mankits. Uh that's my version of Mank, where I've re edited it and recut it. Uh it's me playing the Gary Oldman part since I'm closer to Mank's actual age than Gary Oldman is. Uh, so yeah, the whole, the whole place feels run down and abandoned, but there are a few, te- uh, a few like high tech hey, security guys, systems. Sorry. There's what if this cameras, called, there's special what, sorry, locks. Sir, sorry, sir. What if this movie is called the new Muppets and it was all the Muppets that got cut, kicked off like, uh, the host uh-huh. of, uh, that, that Muppets live show or whatever, or the weird humanoid robot and, uh, yeah. uh-huh, like Bean yeah. Bunny, like all the Muppets that were never that uh-huh. popular and, and that, they're stuck uh, in it. <laughs> that like Caribbean Muppet that was from Muppets Tonight. And Muppets Tonight. That's what I'm thinking about. The one who's the host of Muppets Tonight. And then they just kind of like, this isn't working out. Let's just, and, uh. Like, what if it was that? Kermit in here. Would that be better? Uh, are you asking me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, I don't care. Okay, fair. What would the second and third movie in the Muppets trilogy be about? That, that, that's what Stuart. I point. Well, the new Muppets, I'd I mean, like they to, could go to Brazil. There's no reason for them not to. I'd like to point out, Stuart, that if it suddenly... <laughs> becomes allowed to not care about dumb bullshit than our entire podcast unravels. Yeah, yes, this is the House of Cards was just going to crumble, fall to the ground. And by crumble, I don't just mean the cards are going to fall. The cards will crumble to dust. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we meet... We meet the other. Uh, we meet the other inmates slash patients uh, that kind of form like a weird little support group. For the most part, these kids just kind of hang around and occasionally sit around in chairs and like share their stories and listen to Dr. Reyes. We have Rain, played by uh, oh man, I don't, I didn't write that part down. From Game of Thrones. Uh, from, from, she's from Game of Thrones. We have Rain, who's like a wolf girl. She's sympathetic. Uh, she's got a Scottish accent. We have That's Ilyana. Maisie Williams. Maisie Williams. Maisie Williams. Thank you. Uh, we have Ilyana Rasputin, who is the Lord of Limbo. She's mm. bitchy. She's Russian. Uh, well, I think. Well, yeah. <laughs> she's, I literally she's a... could not figure out what her. I didn't hear her name. I didn't figure out what character she was supposed to be until much mm-hmm. later <laughs> yeah. because really? I could not unravel the accent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think I made a mistake I mean, like, with that. Anya Taylor Joy. 
I think is just transfixing, like a, a great actor. I've loved her in basically everything. Here I'm like, I don't blame her. I blame the director who heard that Russian accent. It's like, yeah, go with that. Like, mm-hmm. this is such a... I, it doesn't sound like anything at all. And there are a lot of... I, I Part of the reason why I blame the director is there are multiple weird accents. Like, the kid, like the kid from Stranger Things has the broadest... Uh-huh like Appalachian yeah. accent which is like I mean it's actually kind of okay in the quieter scenes but as soon as he gets mad he's like well hey <laughs> yeah, he might as well be blowing in a jug the whole time and like <laughs> yeah. and dancing around singing, the- singing which side are you on or something <laughs> yeah. the characters yeah. in this movie are less mutants to aggressive accent choices <laughs> yeah. their, their power is the power to caricature actual regional dialects and, and sounds yeah. but yeah Anya Taylor-Joy I think they would have Another thing where in the comics, of course, Ilyana is the younger sister of Colossus, the Russian X-Man, and I think they probably should have just cut the cord and made her a Russian-American and with an American accent because it does not yeah. – it doesn't help her to have this kind of like – it's not even – it would have been better if it was way over the top and it was like a like a uh, Boris Badenov, like Moose and Squirrel type, uh, type Russian yeah. accent, yep. but instead it's just kind of like a, uh, it sounds like a teen girl who is trying on a persona, you know. Yeah. yeah, I even so if they she had for a second just had a character say, "Oh, she's Russian." Like when I found out <laughs> she was Russian, I'm like, "Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, I can kind of hear it." But I was literally spent 15 minutes of this movie trying to figure it out. The she's kind of the, like the troublemaker bad boy of the group, uh, which my wife pointed out. It makes it weird that she was the one selected to give Danny the tour around the place. <laughs> like she clearly didn't want the job. Oh well, that, yeah. I, uh, I assumed that was a punishment on the part of Doctor Reyes. Yeah. Like you're being a jerk. Also, oh here's my problem, guys. Russian accent aside, how are we not talking about how she is a puppet named Lockheed, who's a little dragon? Uh, Lockheed is Shadow Cat's dragon, Ilyana's best friend. <laughs> what is this all wow. about? Suddenly, Man, I can't but, believe I can't believe I lost the I mean, bet Lockheed, that you brought that up first. Lockheed <laughs> did come from Limbo, right? Like that's where uh, Kitty Pryde encountered Lockheed. Isn't I, like I honestly don't magic remember. bring Lockheed back and then sort of Kitty like inherited Lockheed. I, that's, no, because they I think they went to I'm trying to remember when they first went to Limbo and fought Velasco, uh, but mm-hmm. I think they had gone there before Ilyana was a character. I'm not sure about that. Uh, okay, well, I mean, this is all. Uh, nonsense that I'm just saying. I'm just saying. This very is this small is, subset it, of people who listen to our show, but guys, don't care guys, about guys. If you are, if you're watching Mank, get ready for some problems. If you're watching this, get ready for some historical errors. Yeah. And the historical error here is that Lockheed is Kitty Pride's dragon. Although in okay, the Muppets so version of this, does uh, the Muppet that is magic have a human on her hand? Yes. Well, in the Muppet version, I think the dragon is probably uh, what's his name, Uncle Deadly. Uh, the actual, you know, kind of dragony character, and Miss Piggy, of course, would be Eliana, but she's not like a she's not like a cast off Muppet. She's the one big name Muppet that they bring in for the movie uh, to like, so that the real Muppet aficionados have to be in there. Uh, and you know, okay, okay, uh, <laughs> okay, okay. I looked it up. All right, Kitty. Uh, yes, Kitty found Lockheed, but and it was you know Kitty's dragon mostly. But Lockheed occasionally accompanies Ileana after she enjo- joins the X-Men's junior team, the New Mutants. So this mm. this actually this would be appropriate to the comic Ileana. Mm. All right. I'll, I'll allow it. Okay, this is not what I would call an MS, a Mank situation, where so <laughs> I don't have a good argument. So, okay, who and what are the other okay. mutants? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so we're halfway <laughs> through our mutant descriptions. <laughs> 
We have uh, we have Sam, uh, who has uh, the mutant power to cannonball all over the place. He's kind of a blue collar guy from Kentucky. He's quiet, brooding, has a very let's say aggressive accent. Yeah, I think Arnie mm-hmm. put yeah. it best. He uh, has, so when he, he isn't being quiet, he is you know uh, you know he's constantly he's the older talking brother about, from Stranger Things. Have we mentioned that? I can't. I, can't I don't think so. It. He's constantly yeah. talking about being in the mines in Kentucky constantly. Like, yeah. never stops talking about being in the mines. Mm-hmm. He's like Madawan. Um, and then we have <laughs> Roberto, who is a uh, young uh, Brazilian guy. He's kind of a rich, macho jock character who, uh, he, it's clearly a facade. He doesn't want people getting too close, so they don't get burned up, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree that these are things that happen. <laughs> okay. So we're introducing these characters, Dan, as I said Dan before. seconds we... that cast of characters. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Motion carried and proceed. And that's so, who in, who's in the movie. <laughs> uh, during her tour, Danny tries to run away. She tries to get out of there. Of course, she runs right into an invisible wall. There's a force field around the whole place. I also uh, like the, the clumsy shorthand during this tour where they walk outside and immediately Ileana... Uh, T- takes a um takes some like spray paint out of a hiding place and starts uh like she's gonna do some graffiti and it's like you're my lookout and I'm like wow shorthand for bad girl right <laughs> like very quick so uh Danny then has a flashback to about ten minutes ago uh, from the opening sequence of the movie uh she then climbs to the top of the abandoned clock tower uh she appears to be contemplating suicide and then rain shows up and they have a little chat and bonding and then they like fall down the floor and hug uh but they <laughs> but not, they don't fall b- off the clock tower onto the floor they fall backwards <laughs> yeah, back into the clock tower yeah. <laughs> yeah. there was a step in between where they went back inside yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> Uh, there, all the kids are being observed. The, as I said, the high tech security systems are doing biometric scans on everybody to tell us how mutant they are. Uh, we're told, uh, the kids are all told that if they complete the treatment, that they're going to be able to leave, possibly graduate and join the X-Men and that Dr. Reyes has a mysterious, like boss, benefactor, partner figure who the kids all assume is uh, professor X. Around now, Sam has a... This is when the movie kicks into the the real horror horror mm. gear, where Sam is in the washing room, uh, the laundry room, they call it, or the washing room, I don't know. Uh, they, you know they don't really address it. They never actually and, uh, refer to it by anything, so... Yeah, so. That's, in the, that's in the goof section of the IMDb yeah. page. They don't address whether this is a washing room or a laundry room Unlike Unlike most movies that involve washing machines, this movie never addresses what the name of the room in which they're located is. Yeah. Uh, Sam has a psionic ghost event where he touches a washing machine and finds himself transported deep into the mines of Kentucky, surrounded by miners and his father, before being slammed out of it and slammed up against the wall. Spooky. Yeah, what's going on? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but during this whole time, the, the registers are reading psionic activity coming out of Danny, so there's an obvious connection there. Uh, at least for us, the viewers. And the psionic uh, readings explain why they picked up Danny in the first place, since everyone keeps saying, what's your power? What's your power? What's your power? Uh, uh-huh. That's the way they know she's a mutant, because otherwise there were parts of there were times where I was like, well, how do they know she is a mutant if they don't know what her power is, they've never seen her use it? 
But thank you for that explanation, Elliot, because I had the same question when I was yeah, watching. I mean, oh, this is me. Part... This is me providing an explanation based on the clues in the movie. They never say that, but I was like, I was yeah, like, so... well, they didn't even they didn't take any midi chlorian levels. So how do they know? Uh, so Danny and Eliana get uh, get in a fight and they get stuck in solitary. This is when we get a little bit more uh, of an idea that Eliana, despite her, you know, her bad boy or bad girl front, uh, has uh, you know she's got uh, she's got a troubled past. Uh, she has dreams of being a child surrounded by smiley face monster Slenderman uh, <laughs> that dress like European fellows uh, and. I- I have to say, these Slendermen, so not to spoil what you've probably already surmised. Yeah, you can uh, spoil away. This, uh, all of these manifestations are like the fears of these characters. Mm-hmm. And I had to look on the Wikipedia page to uh, figure out what what <laughs> Ileana's fear was. Because really? this is the most, well, because it's the most like abstractly suggested one. It is like just these like smiling men whereas everyone else's fear is literally like a horrible thing that like happened to them you know presented very uh straightforwardly i mean i thought it was uh, i mean i thought it was pretty clear that she was being like human trafficked or something yeah by that's these creepos. It, seemed, it seemed pretty that seemed pretty clear to me maybe maybe dan just is a purer heart and he doesn't think the worst of the world <laughs> no i just they're the only ones that are not like a direct representation of the thing like these are monsters because the metaphor is that you know she had these monstrous uh people do this to her whereas the other ones are like basically what happened sam sam being in a mine and then uh, seeing his dad and then blowing things up is not a metaphor for anything like it's yeah that's (laughs) what happened to him but yeah i think it's i think the movie is uh, rightfully recognizing that it does not have the uh the the, sh- the shoulders and the gravitas to carry uh, a realistic depiction of trafficking, and so has decided to uh, do it in the form of Slenderman. <laughs> well, let's be clear. I was not arguing for that necessarily. No, I, I don't. I like, don't think you were arguing either way. Just you know, that's why uh, are I, these smiley Slendermen all over the place? Well, I mean, also, it's also it has a scarcity that, of things that look or feel scary in any way. So they're just sort yeah. of like maybe we can mm-hmm. add this. Yeah, I mean, unless it is a little representation, and she was kidnapped by a bunch of slendermen with smiley faces and i mean that would be you think she would make that clear to them she would mention oh yeah these are the monsters that i that that actually took me because we live in a superhero fantasy world so why can't that exist you know I, tele- true, yeah. I teleport and i have a soul sword and one armored arm and a and a dragon puppet that you know is kind of also a dragon you know so why not you know uh-huh. i live in a magic world why not guys what's wrong with that and the character so she's really, telling this to really is a Muppet anyway. This, so, like, you know, if, if Muppets can be in this world, why not, you know? We didn't really talk about how uh, Ilyana's power is to create these, like, stepping disks that allow her to teleport away. Uh, so, uh, and, you know, you know me, my favorite uh, my favorite X-Men uh, ancillary characters uh, are always the teleporters. I love Leela Cheney. I love mm-hmm. Magic. Zero. I love, yep, I love them all. Um, so... Why? Uh, why does she stay in the place? Why doesn't yeah. she just leave? Uh, do they yeah. address that? Mike, they do I... not. My guess is that perhaps um, there's some kind of block going on for her power that that the uh, the force fields are also affecting her ability to use her power to do that. Or also, she recognizes that you know what? Deep down, I do need help. 
And this is, I have trauma that I need yeah. to deal with, and maybe this isn't yeah. the best place to deal with it—a severely understaffed haunted hospital. <laughs> but but you know you gotta you gotta play the cards life deals you. You know. Now the first time she teleports, uh, forgive me if I'm wrong. I may have blinked and missed it. I don't think they do the portal thing, which annoyed me. I think she just like kind of bamps like Nightcrawler. No, that's true. Later Sometime, on, you see so, a portal, but so, well, I think they're making a distinction. I think between when she teleports in this world and when she travels uh-huh. through the magical universe of Limbo, which she has either discovered through escaping trauma <laughs> or has invented. It's I think they've just kind of given her general but, like magic powers. You know, yeah, not to get. Uh, again, way back too deep into nerd shit, but I guess it's the New Mutants, so what are you going to do? I th- I always thought that her teleportation power always was through Limbo, though. She's yeah, like, it was. Yeah, okay. Hey, man, I'm just telling you what it looks like in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, around now, Rain has her own, like, psychic, uh, psionic ghost event where she is... Uh, she's at the rundown church, the abandoned church, and she's confessing her sins to what you assume to be no one. And then she hears a, a ghostly voice of a priest who had abused her in the past. Uh, the kids well, that, that she, we find she out. Is, she's kind of, have she mentioned already that she went to a priest and told him what her, told her about her power. And he told her she was evil, that she was a demon. Yeah. And she has yeah. either, either an M or a W branded on her neck. I believe it is a W for which. Uh, or wolf M also or, works. Or, 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 wolf. Or, or, or wolf. Or M also yeah. works for mutant because Rain, or as Muppet. you'll find, has... Or, mu- or M for Muppet. Muppet. Yeah, because Rain, as you'll notice, has Lou Zealand powers, where she yeah. kind of puts on a fluff, a frilly <laughs> outfit and throws fish. <laughs> <laughs> I throw the fish, and they come back to me. I... I Maybe uh, maybe that's why he chose a W, because he knew that it could be seen as an M, and there are all these levels. There are all these mm-hmm. yeah. different levels. He likes levels. references. Yeah. Um, he likes, you know, he likes somebody uh, giving, giving you something for, to think about. Um, so the kids have, uh, have <laughs> I mean, a secret what, what attic. I mean, what good is religion if not to give us something to think about, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, the kids have a secret attic where they claim there's no cameras uh, so they can do whatever they want. Although I think we do see that there is a camera up there watching yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, and they decide to play a game of truth or dare, but actually there's no dare. It's just truth. And they use a lie detector, which they use the blood pressure gauge and put they put that sleeve right over their clothes, which I think I guess- is probably a representation of their their mutant powers they're like a their... heavy fucking denim jacket because of the <laughs> yeah. banner i'm like what do you think that's gonna do man? i mean guys i hate to break it to you lie detector tests also don't work so it's fine just like put it put it over a hat like who cares <laughs> do you think the actor who plays sam when they're like okay so we have to you have to take off the denim jacket and he's like oh no i just got this full sleeve of tattoos he goes read my contract it says no jacket no shoot Okay, let's see. It does say that. He do, he does not have to shoot scenes without the jacket on. Oh, boy. Also, kids that are spending, or teenagers that are spending a lot of their days doing group counseling at night, they like to blow off steam by forcing each other to unburden themselves with stories. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. I, 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 they, pro- they probably don't have secrets from each other at this point. So why, you'd think they would really heavily go on to dare, since they're all mutants uh-huh. and they can do crazy mutant things. But no, truth they're is like, it, you know. We, we were going to do dare, but there's no budget for it. <laughs> it's like someone so, who works at an ice cream store, and they're like, I got to go home and get some scooping in. I just, I just got yeah. to relax this arm and scoop some more. Yeah. So Danny uh, shares that story, the demon bear. Uh, once again, just to do a little flashback. So everybody has two bears living inside them. <laughs> there's a good bear and a bad bear. There's, we call, you, they're called you're a, a little Danny, kid. Danny describes them as a yoga and yogi and a boo-boo. And the boo-boo is the good bear, and the yogi is the bad bear. Yeah. Uh, 
So I mean, <laughs> you know, he's a bad bear, but he's not that bad. It's mostly like picnic basket theft. Is he's a far, thief, Dan. He's a thief. <laughs> okay, imagine yeah, this. Yeah, to okay. feed himself. Okay, I'm I'm someone living close to, if not below, the poverty line. I don't have a home, and I don't. And this is the mo- only food I've been able to scrounge up. I'm gonna go to the park to eat it, and a bear takes it from me. A very well-fed bear wearing a hat and a tie. That's right, he's a white-collar <laughs> bear, and he's stealing my only meal. Not okay. Yeah. That's that's mm. that's a hard crime. That's bad. So when you're a little kid, this bear, the the bad bear, starts real small. But as you get older, that bad bear inside you gets way bigger, right, guys? Mm. You can feel it. You can feel it getting bigger inside you. I, well, mm. I mean, this last few years, I can feel the bad bear getting bigger inside me, certainly. <laughs> so uh, they have this little hang, and then the next morning, Reyes, Doctor Reyes, yells at them. She gets mad and tells them that they keep fucking around. They'll never get to leave. So, of course, they drug her and knock her out, and they have another Breakfast Club-style 90s kids party where they dance to <laughs> Bastards of Young, and I'm like, mm, I don't, that's like, that feels like when you watch a movie from the 80s and the kids are all dancing to fucking doo-wop songs, and you're like, what? <laughs> well, but also I was like, <laughs> look, I love The Replacements. I was thrilled to hear Bastards of Young play but yeah no i was like is this what people the kids this yeah. age at this time period were listening to well even the, the fact that they they literally drugged the tea of their only authority and what they're, they're doing stuff they could have done probably when she was awake they're just dancing yeah. to music yeah. you know unless <laughs> unless she's dr footloose i don't see it as a problem <laughs> dr footloose i've come as soon as i can my foot is my foot is falling off my leg. Oh, no, we get this a lot. That's actually common. a mistake. That's not what I specialize in. <laughs> it's just a name. It's from the German Fußlotion. <laughs> the uh, yeah, so it, it does feel a little bit the uh, the the non like the media in this movie, whether it's the music or the Buffy the Vampire Slayer, feels a little bit like a dad is forcing his teenage kids to watch what he liked growing up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, now that they have no supervision, uh, they go off and do their fun things. Uh, Rain and Danny go out into a graveyard and watch the rain fall on the force field, and they uh, they make out a little bit. Uh, Berto and Ilyana go swimming, or so he thinks, because Berto gets a visit from a little flaming ghost of his dead girlfriend. That's yeah. right. Uh, he has a psionic ghost event. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh, and that forces him to manifest his uh, mutant power, which is to turn into a big flaming version of himself, which is the same size as the normal version of himself. <laughs> and everybody freaks out, and then Dr. Reyes grabs a stick and pushes him into the pool, which was pretty funny. Yeah, Did, you, said, uh, you said that as if you thought it was disappointing that he didn't turn into a giant version of himself. Yeah. <laughs> I, so, okay, this, 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 this flaming ghost is his girlfriend. That Great name for a 90s band, fl- the Flaming Ghosts. <laughs> mm-hmm. His girlfriend, he actually accidentally set on fire. Now, this butts up against, like, one of my problems with the X-Men and mutant uh, 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 books in general, as much as I love them. So you've got, he killed his girlfriend, uh, Cannonball killed his dad and all of the, like, people in the mine. Danny is causing untold, like, chaos, and I do not... I don't think I need to say this. I do not sanction the kidnapping and and uh, either euthanization or weaponization of uh, these mutants in it. But it also does raise the question: like, well, 
these people are kind of dangerous. They've killed a lot of people. Well, I mean, the, it's accidental, it's, but... I mean, in Ilyana's case, it was not accidental. She brags about killing 18 men with her sword. Sure, but those were her captors. That That's, like, a little more understandable than just, like, you know, a couple of them killed their parents accidentally. I'm not... You know, like, they shouldn't be punished for it at all, but it is... It does, like, cut against this idea of, like, yeah, but they... They've killed these people. Well, this is, I'm going to let you in on two thoughts I've had about the my two two of my issues with the X Men. One is societal, and the other is mm-hmm. biological. So societal, okay. the X Men. Uh, it's basically understood as canon uh, in comic books readership world for anyone who's not a comic books reader that the X Men are a civil rights allegory where it is about mm-hmm. people who are different than everyone else who are demonized for their differences. But you're right. What they have is genuinely very dangerous, and it's like the the analogy starts to fall apart when it's like, well, non-white people can't shoot laser beams, un- uncontrollable <laughs> exactly. laser beams from their eyes, or like, you know, like it's... There's there's no are, danger that a gay person is going to dark phoenix on you. <laughs> no, yeah, that, 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 a, that a black person at the age of 13 will accidentally explode and kill a town, you know, like it's exactly. that, that doesn't happen. Uh, so that's where the analogy starts to fall apart. But the other thing is that, so they're always talking about how they're the next step in evolution, like Homo Superior is here, and it's hard for me to see what is the evolutionary advantage of getting so burning hot that you cannot mate and reproduce and pass on your genes <laughs> to another generation? Or like, what is the evolutionary advantage of like, be you know, of exploding sometimes and and accidentally? Like it's evolution usually. I mean, there's all sorts of different mutations in nature, but often the the mutations that are de- that are hurt the host or their mate don't pass on because mm-hmm. the and the things that are so it's like. You'd think that they're. I guess what I'm saying is, you'd think they would be more useful and less fighting-based evolution uh, X-Men powers. Evolution I mean, usually, it's not like suddenly someone is born with a sword for a hand because it helps them be a better fighter. Like fighting is not really one of the things that evolution yeah. gets you to. Well, usually. I mean, like what you're saying makes sense in the context of like actual evolution a- a- as it happens. Although it does, <laughs> like I mean, like there are all sorts of, uh, yeah, as you say, detrimental. Um, mutations that aren't passed down like that's how they're filtered out over the years but but <laughs> mutations like, I as they I understand occur how- in marvel universe are just randomly springing up extremely powerful deviations from the norm well yeah but that- it's but it's like i understand the evolutionary advantage of being able to control the weather that would be great that would help humanity immensely yeah. but again the lasers shooting out of the eyes or like so many mutants well, I- have the ability to absorb energy and then blast it out as lasers and it's like I'm what just- where how is that helpful in any way it seems like the only these, evolutionary these mutations- oh, go ahead dan sorry no i just sorry i just did directly respond to Elliot. It seems like these mutations are not like naturally selected for though, Elliot. What you're saying makes sense in the context of natural selection, not in the context of like, oh, uh, we gave birth to someone who's a teleporting demon. <laughs> well also thing. well and also because the the I guess the evolutionary purpose is to make them cool battlers for superhero battles. But like there's some I've been reading a lot of the old X Men issues with my older son. We're going through the the first sixty some odd issues in order. And it's so often so many times that he's like why are they why are they not using their powers smarter? Or he'll point at Beast and he'll be like, Well, Beast just has big feet. Like, is that <laughs> like that's his True. mutation? He's got big feet? But sorry sorry, Arnie. What were you saying? I was just I gonna say that. in this movie, their only really evolutionary advantage is the ability to kill their parents. <laughs> Which, I mean, Freud would tell you is the ultimate mutant power. The ultimate one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, anytime I got assigned extra chores, I wish I was a mutant, right? <laughs> 
Um, Allergic to homework. Uh, okay, so uh, well, that's not a mute. That's not a power. That is a mutation, an allergy, but it's not. <laughs> okay, so Danny's powers uh, continue to intensify. The nightmares become uh, even more vivid, uh, and more, and they're having more of an effect on reality. Uh, at one point, Rain gets assaulted in the shower by uh, the like like a zombie version of the priest that she had killed, who had previously branded her, and he brands her again this time on her neck, uh, and it's horrible. And uh, then uh, Reyes uh, around now, Reyes gets a hilariously long loading email where <laughs> it's one of those like those like sci-fi emails where like you're slowly watching it to get typed out and you're like shouldn't this like why is this worse uh i love the idea of a a software developer that was like i want people to feel the excitement of watching a story unfold so i'll have each word type out individually instead of just all the text coming up on screen which would take less power less computing power (laughs) yeah uh, I mean, it's got killer graphics, and that's what kids like. Uh, can, I say, uh, so, can I say, if you could yeah. send a dramatic email like that, like if you had, if that was just an option in your Gmail yeah. or whatever, I, I would do it occasionally, if not yeah. too much. I think you're right. I think, I mean, I think we're making, we got to TM this shit right now, right? So somebody doesn't, mm-hmm. somebody doesn't steal our idea. Uh, Dan, yeah, let's copy, this let's, is your idea Dan, too. You got to get in on this. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. Since wait, when wait, was Dan wait, involved so, in this idea? So you're saying... I, it seems like Stuart is saying that is a, a a covenant that must be entered into with all parties. <laughs> yeah, everybody <laughs> here, else, everybody in the room. Yeah, Otherwise, something. Smiley will show up and kill us. Exactly. And steal so, our IP. Yeah, so uh, Reyes gets this email and explains that Danny is too powerful that she has to eliminate Danny. So, Dan, I'm sorry if by saying Danny all this time it makes you uncomfortable. She just has the same name as you, basically. Apology so, accepted. Reyes takes Danny to the basement. Uh, she, uh, you know, she, I think she explains to do tests or something, but then she, at this point, she's like, uh, even though she, that Danny is too powerful to live, Reyes mm. knows she has to kill her. She slowly poisons her, uh, giving her ample time to use her mutant powers to create an army of Slendermen that attack Ilyana, Sam, Berto, there's Slenderman running all over this asylum, right? Attacking everybody except the one person who is hurting Danny at that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, well, she doesn't have control of her powers yet, Elliot. That's kind of the point. I guess um, that's true. That's fair. Rain sneaks through the ducks and jumps down on. Uh, they they uh, at the like Rain is sneaking through the ducks. Ilyana is teleporting all over the place. Sla- Sam is using his blasting powers, which basically like he explodes and flies, blowing up everything near him, which is great in these enclosed hallways. Like, <laughs> well, there, there's yeah. a reason his his mutant power is his mutant superhero name is Cannonball. Uh, yeah, but it's also which another- is it makes me think like if old boy in the movie old boy had had this power. That fight mm-hmm. scene wouldn't have been as cool, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of having the power of looking old even when he's a young man, which is the same power Gary Oldman has in Mank. Stuart, I imagined you, uh, like this was your, <laughs> that you were one of those senators in an X-Men uh, movie or comic who's like trying to get rid of uh, mutants, but your reasoning was just like how it would make old boy less cool. <laughs> <laughs> now, if old boy had telekinesis for instance he could just pick people up and throw them around now uh, I'm, I'm senator stuart wellington from the great state of louisiana now uh now let's say your old boy had a uh, ruby quartz uh eye lasers uh, then that hallway fight scene would be over real fast well how do you say to that 
uh, Professor Xavier. <laughs> every time, like every time, old boy stared at his daughter lover, he would accidentally <laughs> blast her to pieces. This, this, uh, this argument is basically like anti-mutant in the same way you'd be like anti-cell phones in movies. Like it ruined yeah. all the plot points. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I do want to point out that Sam uses power and he blows these Slendermen apart. Uh, but previously they'd addressed that though he can use his power, he can never land. And so he's always like slamming into things and he's got broken bones and his face is all fucked up. But he uses his power here and then like the next time we see him, he's totally fine. Like they don't even show him land. I'm guessing it's because there's, I mean, this whole movie feels like there's about a third of the effects shots were just not included. Mm-hmm. Well, here's my guess. Here's my guess about why he's so why he's so beat up. So I don't know if it's this way, but in in the comic books, Cannonball when he's in Cannonball form cannot be hurt. He's super tough. So I think it's because I think he's those are his injuries from the mind disaster that like he set off this mind oh, disaster okay. and then broke his arm when it caved in on him, or or maybe a, a Grendel was like, "Hey, why'd you blow up my mind?" and, and beat him up or something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hmm. So, uh, so they realize that they've been duped. That uh, they find like the files in the uh, in Reyes's office, as be- because once again, there's nobody else in this place, and they realize <laughs> that they're being trained to be killers, uh, and they decide to turn on Reyes, which is great because at this point, Rain has already jumped down out of the uh, out of the ducks and slashed up Reyes super fucking bad. Yeah. Like Rain, like at first I'm like, oh, she just scratched her. But later on, we see Reyes, and she's like ripped to shreds, dude. She's been <laughs> Freddy Krueger in a half. She's like holding her innards in with her arm, basically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So they think they they think they got the jump on her, and Reyes instead traps them in force bubbles, which look terrible. This is a <laughs> this is a terrible effect. And they now, are it- in like glowing like uh like Star Trek bubbles. Uh, and she's slowly smushing Danny and smushing them all in these bubbles while giving some kind of a speech about how, I don't know, like they're too powerful to live or something, and they should have been more respectful or something. Now, I want to I want to briefly defend not this scene or the bubbles, which do look terrible, but the character of Cecilia Reyes in the comic books, what sets her apart from the others is she is a good person who does not want to be a superhero and just wants to be a doctor. And so I felt like they were really slandering this character by making her so incredibly evil, when in the comics, she is maybe the most reasonable character in the entire Marvel yeah. Universe. She's like, okay, I can make force fields, but like, I could probably help people more by being a trauma surgeon than, <laughs> than by like fighting Mr. Sinister, who gets hinted at in this movie, but we never actually see him. Maybe they wanted yeah. to use her because they're like, we need at least one superpower that we can actually depict in this movie. Because every other, <laughs> yeah. even like, even... Uh, even the uh, werewolf transformation, like they, they they can't depict almost any of the powers in this movie very well, which is one of the bigger problems, I think. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's because they chose characters that are hard. Like, I don't know if they chose Ilyana Rasputin if they the script originally had like Shadowcat or something. That's why Lockheed's there. Uh, but then they're like, oh, we got Anna Taylor Joy. She'd be perfect for this role. I don't know. Um, she does such a great Russian accent. <laughs> it, her resume says does Russian accent, so this is perfect. Do we need to hear the accent first to try it out? No, no, no. She's great. Did you see Queen's Gambit? It's not out yet, but I saw an early cut of it. It's fantastic. Yeah. And then she gets on set, and she's like, y'all, this is my accent. And they're like, oh, boy. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay, so. She's, she's uh, great in Emma Dot. She'll be again, great in this. Again. Great actor. <laughs> she's really good. She's really clear. good in lots of. She's great in the witch. Like she's really good the in witch. lots of stuff. This, but this accent does not. Thoroughbreds, uh, very, very good. Mm-hmm. Anyway. 
and uh, yeah, and the split glassiverse, right? Yeah. So yeah, so Reyes has him in force bubbles. She's slowly smushing them, and then uh oh, what's that? There's snow outside. <laughs> it sounds like a wind. Uh oh, the wall gets ripped open, and there's a giant demon bear there. And the demon bear totally scarfs down Reyes, just like in Deep Blue Sea. It's <laughs> awesome. It is just now- like in Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk a little? Let's talk a little bit about this demon bear. So uh, there are a few things. No, I- Dan, let's not. Let's talk about Muppets again. <laughs> Well, Dan, it, the thing is, is that everybody has two bears living inside them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know this is and, meant to be up to the audience interpretation, but do we think that's a good bear or a bad bear? Uh, now, I think it's, it's, that's a good, that's a good question because it is a bad bear who becomes kind of a good bear. Yeah. Well, it's well. She says she also is it here or is it later? She says that the two bears, you decide what you feed them. That's the empowering message of the movie: is you can feed the bad bear with your fears and your hatred, or you can feed the good bear with love. And that's the the one that gets stronger is the one that you feed. So maybe she feeds it a bunch of love, and that's why it turns into a good bear. I don't. She maybe feeds, there's two bears. No, she feeds oh, it a doctor. Here, that's, that's true. true. A bad doctor, so it makes it into a. <laughs> Good bear. This is confusing. I guess in every bear there are two bears: a good bear and a bad bear. And <laughs> mm-hmm. depending on which one is, I guess, oh, getting boy. its getting its tummy oh, scratched God. at the moment. That's how oh. the bear goes. Dan's. It's all bears all the way down. Everything's got two <laughs> bears in it. I'm staring into the void, and it's staring back. Mm-hmm. No, uh, when I you stare into the this... bears, the bears also <laughs> stare into you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what my buddy uh, Werner Herzog says. He says, "Yavol, <laughs> there's two bears in every party." <laughs> A little bear and a big bear. One Stuart, is good, one is bad. I think you're bad. ready to be a character in <laughs> this movie. And in one bear, there's two people. That's the bear from Grizzly Man. <laughs> yeah. Jawohl. Yeah, yeah, it's me, Werner Herzog. <laughs> my power is a secret. Yeah, it's me, Werner oh, Herzog, and we're going to be checking out the 10 hottest spring break beaches today on E's Hottest Spring Break Beaches, hosted by me, Werner Herzog. <laughs> So Danny at this point is passed out, and the team is left with this fucking demon bear. I wanted to talk about this bear a bit. Uh, Number one, I I I genuinely like the look of this bear. I like the the demon eyes. I like the way the fur kind of like coils into smoke, like it gets indistinct on the edges. But I do think that there's a weird thing that movies always do, which is they like. You know, put a little too uh, too much sugar in the sauce or something like uh-huh. they, like it doesn't. I think this bear would have been much more scary if it was just maybe slightly bigger than a real grizzly bear and just a little more like just a solid thing that a human mind you know has some sort of familiarity with it. Because when this is big, albeit cool looking bear, I'm just like okay, well this is CGI and if it was a little more like fantastic but down to earth i would have been a lot more frightened by it oh see i d- i have to disagree with you there because i think i like this bear a lot but i think they do they are on the side making it look too much like a real bear and i oh. wish it i wish it had more of that bilsenkevich feel of being kind of like semi abstract and scratchy and hard to to wrap your mind around but i mean that, different that's a very bears good point for different too. cares no no Elliot. Elliot, I think that you make a good point. I think maybe the problem is it's neither fish nor fowl. Like, it should have gone yes. one way or the other. They show yeah. some of the dr- original drawings, or at least recreations of them during the credits, as if to say, like, see, this could work. Yeah, and, and, and Bill Sienkiewicz did the did the art during the credits, too, all the character art. Ooh. Oh, that's yeah, yeah, surprisingly, good. Sure, yeah, surprisingly involved. Yeah. Yeah, give that man money, please. Uh, so... 
Uh, Danny's passed out, and of course, she's passed out of the party, and she invited this fucking demon bear that everyone else has to deal <laughs> with. So they spirit Danny away. Rain takes her along over to the, uh, she takes uh, Danny into the abandoned church. Uh, Ilyana decides, hey, it's time for me to use my powers. Uh, I'm magical. So she pulls out her soul sword and starts uh, flipping around, jumping, flipping, cutting at the bear. Uh, Sam uh, tries to help. Uh, he starts blasting. Berto eventually decides to use his powers uh, and he burns his clothes off and then he briefly <laughs> fights the bear before getting smushed. Uh, and it's great. They all get to use their powers. They all kind of come together. Uh, and then Danny eventually wakes up and calms down the demon bear and pats its nose. The end of the movie. <laughs> and I guess everything's forgiven. <laughs> I should... <laughs> well, what, are they going to take her to bear court? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, well, so, well, she even just... apologizes, right? She's like, know, I'm sorry I brought this weird. demon bear. And they're like, no, we, you freed us with this demon bear. And she's like, I guess I did. And then they find uh, yeah. Dr. Ray's chunky heel covered in blood so they're like she's wow. totally dead there's full no of way blood. not just covered full like poor well, the idea that they're like well, well yeah. we saw her swallowed whole by a bear is she dead here's her shoe that clinches it she must be there's no other way for her shoe to be removed from her foot other than death At least it's a real red it's a real ruby slippers type situation it's either her shoe or it's uh the shoe of the evil stepsisters the original version of cinderella i don't yeah. know all i know is there's blood in a shoe <laughs> in this chunky shoe hi i'm verna hershoe welcome down to verna hershog's hershoes where you can find the best yeah. in ladies shoes and if you stare into the shoe you'll see the total emptiness of the, of the cosmos we live no, in a random we live in a random universe with no god in charge, but I'm in charge of getting you the best shoes at Werner Hershoes. <laughs> now, do not uh, do not confuse this with Werner Herzog's horseshoes, which is <laughs> a separate venture of mine. That's it. You yeah, want the horses a, or luck? It's a horseshoe range attached to a bar. It's a kind of <laughs> bar game. Is horseshoes? You're throwing the horses, and don't and please do not confuse it with Werner Herzog's In Her Shoes, my shot for shot remake of the film In Her Shoes. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Arnie, do you do you have any fun accents you like to do? <laughs> no, but I would just like to let the listener know that it's very it's extra enjoyable to get to actually watch these moments because it just it's, I enjoy watching Stuart kind of you can tell he's like I'm waiting this one out. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm supposed to be telling you about Cancun. Here in Cancun, we're, ha we're giving the hottest ladies and the hunkiest guys here on spring break. Let's go oh. on to Miami Beach. Miami Beach is famous for its spring break parties, and I'm uh -huh, enjoying them yeah. all. Anyway, we've got eight more beaches to get to. I'm going to hurt somebody. Oh wow! Oh, oh god. Uh, so okay. now our now our team uh, they now they're free. They kind of set off down the road. And their only clue is that they're, uh, that Reyes was working for the Essex Corporation. Of course, a reference to Nathaniel. Is it Nathaniel Essex? Nathaniel Mr. Essex, Sinister? Yes. Yeah. Mr. Sinister. Uh, so that was a tease. Apparently, John Hamm was even cast to play Mr. Sinister. Uh, what a shame. Mm -hmm. uh, what a great character. Okay, well, that's the end of uh, The New Mutants. So we should do our final judgments, whether this is a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, 
or a movie we kind of liked. I uh, before the, I'm sorry. Before we make the judgments, oh, can I ask: Is this the only superhero movie where at the end the superheroes are the only characters alive, and in fact <laughs> every other character in the movie is dead at the hands of those superheroes? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. That is a good question. Every it's, character there's... you ever see in the past or present has been killed by the superheroes, <laughs> yeah. except I guess for Buffy the Vampire Slayer on TV. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's Trying to remember. Point. Let's see. The Incredibles. No. Incredibles two. No. <laughs> Spider Man two. No. Superman four. No. Uh. Yeah. So this movie. Uh. When when we were watching it earlier today, um, Audrey said a line that I had to write down, which is, "I feel like I've hated better movies," which is not to say that like that is not saying like, "Oh, this is below hatred." It's more that like. There are films that have uh, inspired an emotional reaction, uh, like a negative one, that are better than this. Like, the fact that this is just kind of there. Like, I don't dislike this movie, but there's not... Like, it's almost like everything is in perfect balance, uh, good and bad, (laughs) such as to make it nothing. Everything is in perfect balance, raves Dan McCoy of The New Mutants. (laughs) Both no, I mean, bears are the same size. I, I mean, like, I, I guess if I was if I was pressed, there are two bears I, in this movie, great and better. If I was pressed to put this into one of our bullshit categories, I guess the closest one is kind of liked it because I like this kind of stuff, and nothing in it like made me mad. And it's of that thing that we've invoked a lot of times, where like, oh, if you're like dozing on the couch this would be a, a great way to spend your time but what, what do you guys have to say no i i would also call this a movie i kind of like just because it's fine like i didn't i didn't it's not terrible even though it's we made fun of it a sure bunch but it's like not really scary for a horror movie it's not really exciting for a superhero movie and i again i'd be curious to have uh, to have somebody just watch it with somebody who doesn't know the new mutants and it's like why is this happening who are these people but it's not Terrible. It's just kind of like, all right, like in a world where there are 40 superhero movies a year, it seems, coming out, like there's room for a mediocre superhero movie like this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of tough. Like I obviously like I like The Breakfast Club. I like Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. (laughs) Um, But and I feel like this movie obviously tries to reference those and it tries to reference various like coming of age stuff. And it. I don't know. Like, I feel like it, it doesn't do, I mean, as you said, it's not really scary and the attempt to like do coming of age, like a coming of age story or a like, like coming into your powers has been done so many times and so many times. Or coming into bears. Yeah. Or coming into bears. (laughs) Um, But like, I mean, after, after seeing Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Wait, hold on. I'm so sorry. I got to stop. Dan, it's the other way around. It's, it's not coming into bears. It's, it's the other that's Good gross. things it's, come in bears no no it's, it's getting out of bears you want to get out of that bear <laughs> yeah you want to get all the cum out of that bear <laughs> no it's good things come in bears <laughs> the okay. but like with something like spider-man into the spider-verse where we see miles morales like take his leap of faith like and it actually elicits a movie that actually elicits an emotional response it feels it's just it's so like to see the like warmed over warmed over warmed over version of that yeah uh is is pretty lame so i don't know i'd feel like i'd say bad bad just because 
it like it just washed over me and is going to be forgotten yeah i i, I mean i sort of i did kind of like it it's, it was weird though i think i would almost like is there a category that's bad good where it's like not bad enough to be entertaining like it's almost worse than being good bad because because there just wasn't enough of the sort of joy of how bad it was um and mostly what pulled me through was being like hypothetically i like a lot of this stuff but it's just <laughs> the movie it's almost as empty as that weird hospital it's just like there's not enough mm. in it yeah not yeah. enough bears um yeah the yeah both bears are too small the yeah i mean i think i actually i feel like arnie you have done this podcast a service because we have been dancing around this idea for fucking years the idea of a movie that is well made enough but is clearly bad like a bad good movie <laughs> like it's not actually interesting enough to be a good bad i don't know yeah no no it's the, the problem is not the production or the or the logic or anything like that it's just a, a certain soullessness that comes with being sent back by the studio to remake the movie several times yeah and i like i like uh the way arnie put it because while watching it i did invoke uh a philosophy that we've espoused on the uh, the show a few times which is if this movie was a better movie this movie would be good <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah so are you saying that i'm kind of like the danny of this podcast a stranger mm. who comes in and mm-hmm. mm. sort of brings something new free. out of everybody torments us with our past traumas <laughs> yeah and eat yeah. and eats mm. a doctor sure I'm going first. It's me, Jackie Kasian. Man, she's always this bossy. Uh, <laughs> I'm Lori Kilbarton. Uh, we're a bunch of stand-up comics, and uh, we've been doing comedy like 60 years total, <laughs> both of us, but we look amazing. And, uh, we're working out. We drop every Monday on Max Fun, and it's called The Jackie Lori Show, and you could listen to it and learn about comedy and learn about anger management and all the things. And Jackie is married but childless, and I'm unmarried but childful. So together, we make one complete woman. Is that just what that one's gonna end? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we try to make Kyle laugh just like that and say, oh my God, every episode. It's a good job. Jackie and Lori Show, Mondays, only on Maximum Fun. Hi, I'm James, host of Minority Corner, which is a podcast that's all about intersectionality. It's hosted by James with a guest host every week. Discussing all sorts of wonderful issues, nerdy and political. Pop culture. Black, queer, feminism. Race, sexuality. News. You're going to learn your history, their self-empowerment, and it's told by what feels like your best friend. Why should someone listen to Minority Corner? Why not? Oh my God, free stuff. There's not free stuff. The listeners of Minority Corner will enjoy some necessary LOLs, but mainly a look at what's happening in our world through a colorful lens. People will get the perspective of marginalized communities. I feel heard. I feel seen. Like you said, you need to understand how to be more proactive in your community and this is a great way to get started. Join us every Friday on Max Fun or wherever you get your podcast. Minority Minority Corner. Corner. Because Because together, together, we're the majority. Hey, you know what? The Flophouse is sponsored in part by ExpressVPN. When you use the bathroom, You always close the door behind you, right? You don't want Mm. random passerby (laughs) looking in on you. So why would you let people look in on you when you go online? Using the internet without ExpressVPN, it's like going to the bathroom. 
and not closing the door. Now this is this is some interesting ad copy. Stuart, do you do you always close the bathroom door? You seem to make a noise. Uh, uh, if I close the bathroom door, my cats will yell at me. Oh, okay. So I have to leave it to open so they can come mm. in and uh, brush up against my uh, mm-hmm. my your meaty my, thighs, my legs, yeah, yeah. My, my meaty thighs. Yeah, All I right, have the well, same issue. Same issue with my children, but I keep that door closed and I just let them scratch at it. And go, yeah, Daddy, Daddy, but we want to see you peeing. And I say, No, thank you. Uh-huh. They they hurl themselves against it, like yeah. uh, so many assaulters on Precinct Thirteen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but exactly. I think we can all agree that we would prefer privacy. So uh, why not have privacy with your Express VPN? Did you know that your internet service provider, like Comcast or Verizon, knows every single website you visit and can sell this info to ad companies? ExpressVPN creates a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so that your online activity can't be seen by anyone. It works on phones, laptops, even routers, so everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can still be protected, even if they don't have ExpressVPN. So if you believe your online activity is your business, secure yourself by visiting expressvpn.com slash flop today. Use our link E X P R E S S V P N dot com slash flop, and you can get an extra three months free. That's expressvpn dot com slash flop. Sounds great. I think that people should do that. Uh, I have an ad I'd like to talk about, uh, guys. We're also sponsored in part by Storyblocks. Now, more than ever, storytellers and content creators, same thing in my opinion, are challenged with producing more video content at a higher quality than ever before. That's true. The standards are higher, and you got to keep up with them. Keep up with that growing demand for modern video content without sacrificing your vision with stock media from Storyblocks. What Storyblocks was dedicated to being the world's best royalty-free stock media subscription service. Their library is always growing. It has over 1 million high-quality stock assets, including 4K HD footage, After Effects, and Premiere Pro templates, music, images, sound effects, and more. They've got affordable subscription plans and tools, and with their unlimited all-access plan, that's the Storyblocks unlimited all-access plan, you get unlimited downloads of everything in their library. And even if your subscription ends... You get to keep the stuff you downloaded. It doesn't disappear. Like uh, out of magic, as if Marty McFly's parents didn't get together. It doesn't mm-hmm, disappear and mm-hmm. fade away. Now, I love stock footage. I'm, they, I'm very excited about uh, being able to put things together for Storyblocks uh, stock media. Uh, Dan, you actually uh, made something for our upcoming live show using Storyblocks. And how was the experience? Was it super smooth? Because it seemed it was, to take you no time. It was actually very smooth. You just uh, you can search through their uh, library you can find what you want they have many different variations on basically anything you can think of and you just download it straight use it it looks beautiful that's great you'll see the results in our live show more about that live show in a little bit but first why not go to storyblocks explore their library and subscribe today at storyblocks.com slash flop that's storyblocks.com slash flop and I got some jumbotrons. <laughs> That's right. Are you at home right now, unable to deal with the existential dread of daily life? Well, then you're probably on Netflix. But there's just so much there and so little time. Well, on every day in 2021... Netflixandchillyear.com will go through every Netflix original movie and talk about what's great about it, what's weird about it, 
and what it's all about. So go to netflixandchillyear.com or if you want a daily email full of Netflix goodness, go to netflixandchillyear.substack.com. That's right, visit netflixandchillyear.com or subscribe at netflixandchillyear.substack.com. I got a second Jumbotron while my mouth uh, gets used to talking again. Uh-huh. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Did you have to do like a hard reboot or what was it? Yep. Ivan, 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 Vanya, Bubala. You can't just Venmo me 69.69 on Christmas Day as a present. That's not the Christmas spirit. Now you have to listen to the peaches tell you how much I love you and have Stuart apologize on my behalf for what a sloppy game master I can be. Sorry, dude. Rarow! Yeah. Yeah. Yep, that's it. That's the message. Dan cosigns on that message. Uh, Okay, guys, I mentioned a live show earlier. Let's talk briefly about that. And I mentioned it even earlier before that. That's right. Saturday, February 6th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, we're going to be doing our first virtual Zoom live show of the year. Uh, You'll be able to watch it, uh, what, through our YouTube page or something? I don't remember. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you'll get a link. No, absolutely not. All the information will be with you when you get the tickets. So we're going to be talking about the movie Teen Wolf. That's right. Everyone's favorite movie about a basketball-playing werewolf. Tell me one you like more. Tell me a basketball-playing werewolf yeah. movie that you like more. I defy it. Doesn't we're going to have an in-depth but not too long discussion of the movie we're each going to give original presentations will mine have more monster content you better believe it there's going to be an audience q a section and much more i already told you dan's been messing around with storyblocks footage making something for the show the price only ten dollars and don't worry if you're not available Saturday, February 6th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, because you have some other thing going on in your life other than wanting to hear three old friends of yours talking about a teenage wolf, that's okay. The show is going to be up for you, archived for one week after the event. That's right. Until Saturday, February 16th, you'll be able to just watch that video. Just light it up and let it roll, and then watch it up and watch it down. Just go to just go to theflophouse.simpletix.com. Don't worry about the www. Just go to theflophouse.simpletix.com. Because, Dan, was there an issue of some kind with internet URL language that you want to tell people uh, about? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. The last uh, episode, I mentioned that uh, I said that if you don't put the HTTP part in, uh, it would go to it. Whereas, or, or if you did put it in, it wouldn't go to it. Uh, that is incorrect. Someone had tweeted at me that there was a problem. I misremembered. The problem is do not put the www in. Uh, that will take you to a dead link. If you uh, do not put it in, it works. I have no idea why the modern internet browser cannot figure that out for you. But uh, in the absence of a smarter one, don't put the www in. Yeah, don't confuse your dumb, stupid internet browser. Just go to theflophouse.simpletix.com and get ready to laugh as we three guys, Dan McCoy, Stuart Wellington, and, of course, America's rascal, Elliot Kalin, talk about the movie that catapulted Michael J. Fox to lycanthropic stardom. That's Teen Wolf featuring the Flophouse guys, Saturday, February 6th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m., Pacific other time zones, please do the math. I do not know what time it will be in the other time zones. Uh, that's flopflophouse.simpletix.com. Only ten dollars. Just go ahead and do it. Just come and join us. 
Well, now let's move on to letters from listeners. Listeners have things to say, too. We've been hogging the microphone. What is it, what's going on in their minds? <laughs> Elliot? <laughs> no, you don't have you don't Yeah, have he doesn't have the letters. Don't, don't know why uh, I tried yeah, to throw it what, to you. I mean, okay, if, if you ask for it, then... <laughs> It's your turn, listeners. It's your turn to make your voice heard. You've been listening to us yakking around, talking about mutants and all that stuff. And now it's your turn. Tell us what's on your mind, listeners. Tell us to be more kind, listeners. Or tell us to have Richard kind on the show, listeners. That's kind. I rhymed it with kind. That's right, listeners. <laughs> write in and tell us what you've got to say. That's right, listeners. Write in and tell us whatever you want, whatever you may. Listeners, it's your turn. Listeners, don't be burned. Because, listeners, this is your chance to be the stars of the flop house. Listeners, hey, listeners, don't let oh this chance pass you up. Hey, <laughs> oh, wow, listeners, so this gone. is your time to get the best. Hey, listeners, this Did is Jim the time. Jim Steinman write this <laughs> To be the ones with the spotlight on you. Ah, it burns your eyes a little. That's okay, because now you're the star of the day. Listeners, write on in and tell us what you want to say to us at the Flophouse featuring Arnie Nykamp. But it's Arnie Nykamp, really. <laughs> Thank you. All right, no, you got the name right. You got to start the song over. Sorry, we got to get oh, no, 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 no. This was this uh, first letter is from Elizabeth, last name withheld. Mm-hmm. Who writes? Elizabeth Montgomery. Hi, Peaches. Your many about prequels reminded me of an odd prequel watching experience I had. My old job used to take the whole office to the movies every summer. We would go to an eight a.m. screening. They bought us popcorn, soda, and candy for breakfast, and we went to work afterwards. This was called, without irony, a morale event. I don't know. That sounds sounds, that good sounds to me. great. Yeah, what did they work for? A, a kid-based company, a company run by kids, because that sounds amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah, but anyway, uh, Elizabeth goes on to say, the first summer I worked there, we went to see X Men First Class. I'd never seen any X Men movies and knew nothing about them, but figured since it was a prequel, I wouldn't be confused. I enjoyed the movie thoroughly and was probably alone in the audience in finding Magneto's heel turn to be a shocking betrayal. <laughs> to this day, yeah. I have never watched another X-Men movie because all I want from the franchise is for Charles and Magneto to be best friends. Have any of you ever had a similar experience being blindsided by a plot twist that you really should have seen coming? Thanks for all the laughs. Elizabeth, last name withheld. You know, this is get, <laughs> this is an even dumber one than usual. But what? I remember the letter. I thought it was perfectly great. No, no, no. How no, rude, Daniel! And also, hey there, and also, no. Elizabeth, don't take it personal. <laughs> Dance is working through some things, uh, and I'm gonna no. sing about how much we love that you wrote into no. us. I no, I was gonna. I was <laughs> saying what I was about to say was gonna be dumb. Yeah, you uh, just insulted a listener that was dumb. Super dumb. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, what Arnie was, looks was... concerned over there. He's like, I can't believe what a Ooh. shit show operation they're running over the, here. You're getting the classic knee camp glare. Okay. So I remember I watched uh, uh, Tim Burton's um, movie of Sweeney Todd, which I had uh, like 
So I watched it. It was the first version of Sweeney Todd that I ever saw. Much later, I became a, like a bit of a a fanatic, uh, watching three different recorded versions in one uh, live. But when I revisited uh, the Burton movie, like years later, before I uh, had had seen it again, I found myself involved in it and i totally forgot until like right before he kills the beggar woman that it's his wife and i have no idea how like <laughs> the most obvious twist but also like i'd seen the movie before <laughs> and somehow my brain had like erased all that so i could enjoy yet again and be like no no sweetie no no <laughs> Uh, I, uh, I guess spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. For <laughs> I mean, that, I feel like spoiler alert for a lot of what we'll talk about here, right? If yeah. we're talking about twists. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, don't, I couldn't think of any particular twists that have blindsided me, though. I'm sure there are. But I often am the guy who, when it looks like the heroes are about to win, I'm like, great, movie's almost over. And then it turns out that this is the part where the heroes <laughs> almost win and then lose, and then you have the real climax a little bit later. Yeah. And every time yeah. I'm like, oh, there's more movie. Oh, okay, never mind then. You hate third acts, it sounds like. Yeah. I want them a more. It's more. I want shorter second acts. I don't like the second act fake out. I'd rather just be like, guys, give me a story. Let's do it. Unless it's like a really good fake out, and then a really good third act. But there's a lot of there's a lot of movies where there's a kind of satisfying fight scene, and I'm like, great, thank you, movie. And then it goes on to a big like explosions and glowy things uh, ending, and I don't I don't. Need yeah, that. it's more yeah. like there's a fourth act, and and the thing is like, I agree with you overall. I want these movies to be more streamlined. But then sometimes I will see one that I like and will be a little disappointed that that fourth act isn't there just because my brain has been trained by other worse movies to expect it. Yeah. Uh, I guess uh, there's a movie I recommended a few episodes ago and Dan recommended hundreds of episodes ago called uh, The Silent Partner. And there's a character in that who's literally like, oh, the bad guy's going to kill us. Oh, he won't stand for this. He's going to kill us. And then that character gets gets murdered. And I was like, oh, this is – I did. I was not sure that was going to happen. And it's so much more gruesome than I expected it to be. So <laughs> so that was me kind of getting surprised by Twist. What about you guys? You, got, you like Twists, I'm, right? I'm, I'm usually surprised by him. I feel like uh, – be, I think it's because I'm a non-creative. But I'm not like – when, I, when <laughs> I'm en- enjoying like a movie or something, I'm not like – I, my brain doesn't click over into like how this was made or like what I would do in this situation. Um, but I will say uh, I was quite surprised by the twist. I was watching, I was in the theater watching uh, a midnight screening on opening night of Lord of the Rings, the two towers. And man, I'm like halfway through my popcorn and I'm like, man, this, the movie feels like it's wrapping up, but we still got Shelob to go. Right. <laughs> And then those credits roll, and I'm like, what? Where's <laughs> she love? And then I, like, stand up, and I start looking around like, we've been duped. So what? that was a twist that totally got me. <laughs> you know, when I saw The Fellowship of the Rings in the theater with my family, uh, walking out, uh-huh. my mother was like, I can't believe that whole movie, and they never even got where they were going. <laughs> I was like, no, this is the first part of a of the book there are sequels and she says this, that was, trying that to happened, get your money that happened to me with the <laughs> with the fifth harry potter movie i had only seen the first harry potter movie and then i went to see the fifth one and i was like oh boy this is gonna be a big showdown with voldemort and then they just kind of leave and i was like oh yeah there's more stuff that happens after this <laughs> yeah. after seeing the princess bride my mother who is delightful said that couldn't happen 
<laughs> There's no way Fred Savage would sit yeah. through that story. Uh, my movie that really surprised me, it's a pretty, obviously, it surprised a lot of people. Uh, I knew there was a twist, and I actually saw it when it first opened, The Sixth Sense. Uh, mm-hmm. But for some reason, it was the weirdest reason that I was distracted, because I just saw in the opening credits that Donnie Wahlberg was in the movie, <laughs> and somehow did not put together that the like intruder or whatever at the beginning of the movie was Donnie yeah. Wahlberg because I guess it <laughs> didn't look like him. And so the whole movie I'm using that kind of like movie logic, which is the thing that usually gives away what the ending is going to be. And I'm so distracted uh-huh. to be like, ah, oh, it's getting pretty late, but shit's going to get crazy when Donnie Wahlberg shows up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Donnie Wahlberg's the she love of that movie. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Shit's going to get crazy when Donnie Wahlberg I mean, that's a good rule for life, too, for movies and for life. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Well, the second and final letter is from Mitchell, last name withheld. Mm -hmm. Mitchell writes, you guys often play up how painful it is to watch these movies. And I get that you're doing a bit. But do you ever sincerely regret making this a bad movie podcast? If you just made a good movie podcast instead... You could have spent all this time watching good movies. Sincerely, Mitchell last night. Oh, sincerely, so. the voice in my head all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. On. Send that. Send that fucking message back in time, dude. Tenant that shit back to me. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about it. I was. I. I, I obviously, it's more pleasurable to uh, watch a good movie. But in terms of like the conversations we've had afterwards, like. I I wouldn't change anything personally. I I I watch a lot of bad movies on my own recognizance too. So maybe I'm just a glutton for it. But uh, we're, Dan we're gonna, often... this, this conversation is very similar to the one we're going to have as we're lying in our deathbeds, stuck in the same room, three old turds. <laughs> well, because because we all we all, all the same uh, bed, as old style. men recording this show. Uh, uh, Dan will often send us texts and be like, hey, I had this Italian exploitation film on while I was working, and check out this crazy scene. And I'm like, Dan, you're on your own time. Just, like, watch something that's going to be good. I think think there is a – I enjoy watching good movies more, but I kind of enjoy talking about bad movies more. Yeah. Well – Ernie, do you have any uh, podcast-based uh, regrets? You know, uh, Mitchell, thanks for asking. Uh, I would say, am I someone that also occasionally regrets the premise of my podast? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, do, you, do you ever wish that you were playing a crazy character? Do you? Uh... Except for albatrosses, they decay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. yeah. Eventually, albatrosses become dirt, I guess. But but everything Arnie else turns into an albatross when it decays. Arnie, in your show, Hello from the Magic Tavern, uh, or what? Do you have more albatross uh, decomposition bits? Well, I, I was going to say that inside every no, bear no there Stuart, are two albatrosses. No you, can, yeah. you can continue being the stealth only pro on the program. Arnie, so on your show, Hello from the Magic Tavern, uh, you are the only one who plays basically yourself. Do you ever regret that and wish that you were playing like a wackier character? Like a, I don't know, like a. Like a Latka or something? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you mean Latka, the character from Taxi, not the delicious food. <laughs> They're similar, though, right? Yeah, I mean, because Andy Kaufman was also made out of fried potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, when it started, I sort of regretted playing the straight man on the podcast because it seemed like everyone else got to have so much more fun. Uh, as uh-huh. the show goes on, though, the fact that, like, 
Uh, we try to stay true. Like everything people say is canon. And we sort of try to remember it. You know, my character has actually become kind of a weirdo anyway. Like all the weird things that people have just said about me. Um, yeah. The thing I, I do, though, sometimes regret just playing my self, like a fictional version of myself. I'm always sort uh-huh. of like, someday this is going to I'm going to really uh, look back and regret this. But eh, what are you going to do? Yeah, I mean. Also, you your your costume for live shows is pretty easy, right? That is true. When Matt Young, who plays a wizard, like is just sweating through a giant beard and and thing, and I have to <laughs> literally, I just I do look, I do have a costume, I do have one particular polo shirt that I uh-huh. have to change into before every show. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad that I don't have to put on anything more than that. I remember the one time I did, uh, I was a guest on your live show, and I decided to wear a inflatable uh, beholder costume. And I didn't realize that when I turned the fan off, because I, I thought the fan would get in the way of the mic, that the suit would deflate and that under the hot lights, I would just be like a sweaty ball sack of a man. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a moment when I'm like, I'm kind of glad the Flophouse doesn't require me to wear costumes on stage. Mm-hmm. That was so delightful. You were so great in that live show. And I could not believe it when you showed up with that costume because it, <laughs> it was so good. Also, I, so, I know your your parents were in the audience for that show, correct? That was the first time my parents had come to any of my performances. And uh, th- there was a point where somebody made me roll around on stage in this costume on a fox face, on a taxidermied fox face. It was pretty <laughs> great. And then uh, afterwards, we ran out to, like, you know, meet the uh, the people who would come out to see the show. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see my parents. My parents had already left. They were in the car. <laughs> they could not face me. Oh, dear. Well, um, let's We have another segment, Dan. There's one final segment, (laughs) and that's one where we recommend films uh, that we've seen recently that we've enjoyed. And uh, I would like to recommend a little movie called Psycho Goreman, which uh, (laughs) stars an (laughs) up-and-coming young actor named Stuart Wellington as Tube Man. (laughs) Um, Stuart's freaking out. No, and this is a very funny, uh, gory uh, movie, as you might expect from the title. Uh, it's basically like, what if uh, these kids have a pet uh, sort of cosmic evil sadist? He's sort of like a space pinhead almost. I don't know how you would describe mm-hmm. him. He's just like, you know, like an evil conqueror type, but with a tragic backstory. And they can control him. They've got... And they are just sort of, uh, you know, brat kids. Uh, everyone in the movie is sort of like self-centered. And, yeah, they're little and, sociopath kids. Yeah, so um, it's just funny. Like it's you know someone who shouldn't have all that power, having control over this evil creature that has all this power, and um, it's a very wacky situation. But it's also weirdly played pretty straight, even though it's so silly. Uh, it strikes like a pretty good tone. Like, it, it, I mean, you could see like a trauma version of this, right? That would go way like campy and over the top. And this somehow has like the most bullshit, weird comic premise, but takes it somewhat seriously. Uh, so I really enjoyed it. And uh, watch out for that tube man. He's going places. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Straight into a bear. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyone else? Stuart, would you like to go? 
Yeah, I, uh, I'll recommend something that's on Amazon Prime. Uh, well, before that, obviously, go see, uh, go watch Psycho Goreman. It's great, and it does have me playing, doing the voice of Tube Man. Uh, I'd also like to recommend a movie called One Night in Miami. Uh, it is a movie directed by, it's the directorial debut, I think, of Regina King. Um, and it is a fictional story of the very real friendship uh, between Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown. And it depicts uh, one night uh, of them basically just hanging out in uh, Miami after a big fight. Uh, and it is adapted from a stage play, and it kind of feels like that. But it's it's just, it does a really amazing job of presenting four, like, larger-than-life uh, men in a moment of like a fairly in some ways low stakes moment in uh, their lives of them just spending time with each other. And it presents them as like, I don't know, like fully formed three dimensional men with uh, vulnerabilities, um, but also strong passions. And I thought it was really great. And the performances are incredible. And specifically, uh, Leslie Odom Jr. re-recorded, who plays Sam Cooke in the movie, he he recorded a bunch of Sam Cooke songs with him doing the vocals, and they play a bunch of them in the movie, and it's they're incredible. So check it out. Uh, I would like to recommend a documentary movie. That's a movie about a real thing that actually happened, featuring real footage of the thing as it happened. Uh, and this is a movie from 1968 that was released in Blu-ray last year, uh, and it's called The Queen. And it's a documentary about the 1967 Miss All-America Camp Beauty Contest uh, and follows the MC of the of the competition and also a number of the different competitors as they prepare for it. And then uh, acts in some ways just as like a like you are there in this moment experiencing the 1967 Miss All-America Camp Beauty Contest, a early drag contest um, at a time when there was next to no representation of that kind of lifestyle or interest in mainstream media. And it was really interesting to me to see people uh, living in that time and without a lot of what we take for granted nowadays in terms of just even awareness of different types of people. Uh, and there's a bunch of interesting characters in it. Uh, I mean, they're real people. You know what I mean by characters. Uh, and it's just something that um, helped me to... I don't know, understand certain aspects of the draw of drag that I didn't fully understand before. And so I thought it was really good. It's called The Queen, and it's on Blu-ray. I unfortunately haven't had a... uh, I've been a little too busy to watch that many movies, but I will recommend the first 15 minutes of The January Man. Uh, Don't watch any more than the first 15 minutes (laughs) because it's not. it won't get any better. But the first 15 (laughs) minutes are pretty entertaining and crazy, and Rod Steiger and Danny Aiello have a scene where they really both go really go at it and and at some point you have to remind yourself this is a comedy but these guys are just screaming at each other did we talk that talk about that john patrick shanley wrote the january man when we did our wild mountain time episode i don't, I don't think, think it we came up when we it. did wild mountain That's time very strange no. <laughs> uh okay well the first 15 minutes that's you know that's a great recommendation for our listeners who maybe have a more packed schedule than uh (laughs) the other ones you know and and again you're you're saying not to watch it in 15 minute bites but just to watch the first 15 minutes and then turn it right off exactly oh yeah okay (laughs) 
Yep. Put, put the tape back in the box, drive immediately <laughs> to your local Blockbuster, and slip it in the return slot. I suppose gonna, take a want... moment to look at the poster of the January Man, which is the thing, <laughs> which is the whole reason I ever even bothered to watch it, because yes. the poster was somehow burned in my mind from childhood, uh-huh. and it was January, and I was like, I guess I'll watch this movie finally. But it is That's January true. Can Man you describe month. that poster for me, Arnie? It's Kevin Klein, right? Kevin Klein. Mm-hmm. He's got kind of floppy hair. He's standing in a doorway holding. Uh, he's got kind of like a, a long, like a longer trench coat. He's like holding an up. Coat, yeah. He's holding up a badge. I believe. Uh, uh, Mary Stewart. Mary Stewart. Mast- yeah, she is standing behind. Or him. Wait, Mary Elizabeth. No, no, Mary Elizabeth Antonio. Yeah, Mary Elizabeth Astro Antonio. I got the 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 three named Marys of of the eighties. Uh, no, but yes, you're right. <laughs> She's kind of just peeking Sorry. around. He's like he's basically like talking to someone in the doorway. Uh, <laughs> there, it, it's not even that. There's not even that and much. It just does works. You should, you should, it, should, it asks more questions than it answers. I mean, really. you should mention. Did you mention yeah. that the door has been has been forced down? This, the door is no longer connected to the doorway. I'm looking at it now, and is lying oh. on the floor at Kevin Klein's feet, almost as if, through the sheer force of the zaniness of the film, uh, he has knocked the door down. It's also worth mentioning that nothing even vaguely resembling this happens at any point in the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not like a French door-slamming comedy, right? I would like to ask, yeah, about the tone of The January Man, because, like, I is it comedic? Because I remember as a kid i was kind of interested in seeing it because i liked kevin klein you know and like this was around the time maybe that i would have been like oh he's so funny in a fish called wanda and you know a few other things and you know it looked wacky but then i think i tried to watch it and it was a pretty straight cop film like what what is the tone that's the problem i mean i think uh, from what I can tell, the main reason it probably flopped at the time, besides just being bad, was that the tone was so weird. I think, I mean, being uh, uh, Shanley, like he he was trying something. It was just like uh, 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 Joe versus the Volcano. Also, is tonally a little strange, uh, mm-hmm. but it is it, it's it's trying and it it hit theaters in march too and people are like why would i watch <laughs> no january thing. man in exactly. march exactly yeah i mean reading reading the first line of roger ebert's contemporary review the january man is worth study as a film that fails to find its tone so i think that's that's the issue it's so i mean the parts that are serious is it's this is a movie about a serial killer that's killing women and uh but it's also like a, a comedy and every time you see Danny Aiello and Rod Steiger like being like, "There's a, you didn't see that dead woman and her face. You have to tell her parents." And then it's like, and then it's like, let's go look at a rumpled, uh, let's go look at a rumpled detective try to figure this out and and sort of fall in love with a woman that's too young for him. Okay, it's available on Prime. If you have Amazon Prime, <laughs> you can watch it for free. Yeah, yeah. If you've already minutes. watched Virtuosity and Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> Which I, I watched both of those this last year, along with Lawnmower Man. I went on a real kick of like dumb, yeah, dumb. You were you were really tech. scared of the internet for a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> Arnie, thank you so much uh, for being here. Is there anything you want to plug here at the end? Uh, sure. Check out my podcast, Love from the Magic Tavern, uh, a, a totally improvised a chat show in a fantasy world, and it's great. It's great. Oh, thank you. And if you're looking for games to play with your friends, either in person someday or 
via Zoom uh, or something like that, uh, the Jackbox Party Packs. Uh, I think three is a really good collection. They're all good. Three is a good collection. And the most recent one, seven, I think is one of the better ones we've done. Nice. They're very, they're very fun. I, yeah, I, I have come to like games more uh, over the years, uh, knowing uh, Stuart and our mutual friend, uh, John. Mm-hmm. But my favorite type of game still remains the sort of social party game. And these are some of the most fun funniest ones you can do uh-huh. i think yeah your favorite one's called leisure suit larry right <laughs> yep in the land of the lounge lizards uh, guys um, guys i know this is kind of off off topic we're not talking about but i will say that uh, amazon prime does uh, inform me that people who watched january man also watched wagons east starring john candy and richard lewis so <laughs> if you liked wagons east maybe you'll like january man that sounds about right <laughs> Well, on that note, uh, thanks to our network, Maximum Fun. Go to MaximumFun.org for a lot of other great shows. Uh, Tweet about our show. Review it. Let people know all the stuff that we always ask for. Thank you for doing it all. Low these many years for us, helping us grow an audience. But uh, until next time, I've been Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalin. And I'm Arnie Niekamp reminding you that teenage rattlesnakes are the most dangerous kind. Oh, no. (laughs) So, Elliot, please, uh, can you just do a whole bunch of bullshit uh, scatting before, so I can't introduce him? Already way ahead of you, way ahead of you. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.